All right, Kiss Army. Welcome to the Kiss FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today. Nothing is into your head. I hope you don't do any damage. This is a Kiss-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to... Thanks, Scott. Welcome to episode 85 of the Kiss FAQ podcast. I'm your host today, Jillian Gill, admin on the Kiss FAQ message board. And yes, it is all my fault. Joining me today, hey, we got the whole usual gang back together. Ken, 69th Blizzard, Mark, Marcus Almighty, and that other guy, Lonnie. What's up? Kiss. Thank you, gentlemen. I might even put the microphone near me. So... All right, so uh, get some news out of the way. I was just on Facebook, and apparently there's a new Kiss comic coming in October through Dynamite, uh, written by Amy Chu, and who's the uh, artist? Cooper Ball. I think I just butchered his or her name, but uh, sounds like it's based on the Elder. But oh, really? Yeah, our heroes are twins Noah and Aaron, who join their friends from school, Alex and Aidy, to find the truth about the founder of the city, the mysterious Mr. Blackwell, and the council that runs Blackwell. Don't too sure uh, on that. I hope it's good. <laughs> and I, yeah. Can I jump in? Yeah, do, please. Can I jump? Okay, well, for all you out there, I just want to say, I got this in the mail just recently, and I can want to say, first off, I've been, for a long time, preaching about the Gene Ace Peter Paul book, how fantastic it is. And I've only just touched the surface of this book. And I got to say that I'm already extremely excited to finish reading this. It's excellent so far. And if nobody is, or if you haven't gotten a chance yet to order this yet, you must do so because it's equally as good as the solo book. And I think it might, it might even be better in some aspects. I'm already excited to read all the little minutia bits about the recordings and all that. And that's all there. Everything that you want to know about this is there and more. So go out and grab it. And for anyone who's wondering, the paperback isn't out yet. Um, actually, the book isn't out until September the 16th. Um, obviously, a select group of people get comps and Mark and, well, everyone on this show is one of them. So um, well, I'm going to one-up you on the book, though. And uh, thank you for the compliments on that. That's very kind. I'm sure Tim and I, well, I know, I'm sure Tim appreciates it as much as I do. Um, a lot of work obviously went in. Most of it's Tim's. So uh, let's make that very clear. I got a book in the mail this week. And, woohoo! Paperback. Paperback. So, Star Child in paperback is out now. And they've done something kind of creative with the. The uh, format for this, number one, it's smaller. I mean, th- every time I go into one of these, it's like freaking Nigel and Spinal. It's smaller than the, the full-size uh, hardbound, and they've kind of tried to recreate the uh, kind of the cover thing. So, you know, I'm not going to read it again, obviously. Someone else can read it and go word for word and see if there's any uh, typos corrected or any shit like that, but uh, I don't really think there is. So, that's the news, as far as I'm aware, for the week. So... While Britain continues to get its ass kicked by Fiji and the Rugby Sevens, let's get on with the show. Today's episode, and it would have been timely if we'd been taping on Tuesday, which of course was August the 9th, making it the 21st birthday of Kiss MTV Unplugged, which, from a personal point of view, I gotta say, this is one of my all-time favorite Kiss albums whether it's out of the studio catalog, the live catalog, whatever. It is just a stunning, stunning album. Incredible performance. 
and all that shit. So let's talk about MTV Unplugged today. And uh, why don't we just start with memories of the broadcast? I don't have any because it wasn't shown in Scotland. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Julian. <laughs> Simple as that. That gets me to shut up pretty quickly. But uh, back, in, well, it wasn't broadcast. When was it broadcast? It was uh, Halloween. Halloween '95. Halloween. So yeah. it was taped on August the 9th. Sony Sound Studios in New York City. And to anyone who was lucky enough to attend that, I hate you. Um, Lonnie, since you're so keen to jump in, broadcast <laughs> memories. Since I'm already interrupting, let's go ahead and let you talk. Um, I rem- I didn't know that Ace and Peter were going to be there. Um, I was watching... I remember the week of Halloween, or maybe it was before Halloween, I was watching MTV with my girlfriend, and I saw the commercial for it. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even know that it happened. I knew they were doing, obviously I knew they were doing the conventions and everything, but I didn't know that they had taped it back in August. And I saw the commercial on MTV for Kiss Unplugged Halloween night. I'm like, oh, wow, that's awesome. You know, I, you know, I'm, I was all over it. That's going to be great. And the commercial, the commercial that aired on MTV prior to Halloween, didn't mention, or at least the one I saw, didn't mention Ace and Peter being there. And I thought, oh, cool, is this going to be, you know, the four guys doing what they've been doing on the convention tour, you know, just playing Unplugged. It's going to be great. So I remember, I remember being downstairs on Halloween and watching the broadcasts in the basement and you know watching song for song you know coming on with sure know something and, and and world without heroes and you know wow this is fan you know opening with coming home like this is fantastic and, ju- and just you know eating it up and loving it as i'm watching it and i was talking to my girlfriend on the phone while i'm watching it and they're playing every time i look at you and then mtv's cut that they aired that night, you know, it was Paul going, you know, we have some members of the family here, and then he brings out Ace and Peter. And I I must, I guess I was Halloween 95, I guess I was 16 years old, and I bet I screamed like a 16-year-old girl when Ace and Peter came out. I could not believe what I was seeing, and it changed my life that night. I mean, it, it changed a lot of KISS fans' lives when Ace and Peter came on stage with with them for the first time in, in so many years. So it was unbelievable to me seeing it unfold. And, and I, and I wouldn't have it any other way that I didn't know that it was coming, you know? And, and I guess, uh, and like today you wouldn't have gotten away with not knowing the information age that we're in now with the internet. I mean, I didn't have the internet at home and fall in 95 yet. You know, the internet hadn't come to Missouri yet. I don't think at that point. So, you know, I didn't know that it was happening. I wouldn't have it any other way because I have the most fantastic memories of watching that broadcast on Halloween and just not believing my eyes what I was seeing. Mark, how about you? Had the internet come to Canada yet <laughs> in 1995? Did you have any idea about this or what? Um, I can't really be 100% certain about the internet. Somehow I get a feeling that that it was maybe starting to cruise around our parts at that time but i don't think i had it but i one thing i do remember is my diehard hardcore friend who was in a, i was in a band with he had watched it on halloween and i had missed it because i think i went out to some party somewhere and i totally missed the broadcast 
And then, of course, you know, I was kind of pissed off because I don't know why he didn't tell me that it was on. You know, we're just bandmates, you know, like he could have just called me or whatever. Right? And uh, I ended up missing it. But a few days later, and that's the one good thing about, I guess, much music over here is they mm. repeated it a few days later. Mm. So luckily, I was able to watch it then. And I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I thought that it's just like many of you guys think that it's one of their better performances that they've ever did. And a lot of the songs have, tra- have you know, trans- transpired over well from electric to acoustic, and surprisingly well. But, you know, in a lot of ways, I- I'm not really surprised because I remember from as far back as I can remember, Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons used to say, if the song wasn't good enough to play on an acoustic guitar, it just wasn't a good song. So basically, that would mean that most of their good material was pretty much, you know, able to be played acoustically, which I think they pretty much proved that night. So I, I really enjoyed it. I've always liked the MTV unplugged format, and that's the one thing I kind of enjoyed. And I guess we'll get to that later on about the comparisons and differences. But I've always liked the way MTV did it with the kind of, you know, there's little text for each song when they played it and how they kind of faded up the song titles in between the songs and stuff. I always kind of liked that because if you were watching another band's unplugged performance, let's say, and you were familiar with their material and you liked that performance at least they would show you what the song was on screen so you would kind of get a you know an idea of what the song was i think it was helpful for maybe getting some you know maybe a couple of other kiss fans you know to join the club because maybe they watched it and they were like hey i really like that song and they knew what songs were being played and so on and so forth so i really liked it i thought it was a really good performance i got a question for you as a canadian had you seen the music plus um obviously they taped that in late Mm -hmm. july um, I think they did five. What is it, five songs uh, at uh, Music Plus Studios in Montreal, and I don't know where that would have been broadcast in in terms in, in regionally in Canada and for wherever you were at the time. Did you see that because that was like a mini taste, um, you know, to get that stuff? And it's a fantastic um, video. It's obviously on YouTube. Yeah. For, for those who haven't seen it, it Music Plus is actually the French version, which was broadcast in Quebec which is the province over next to mine. I'm in Ontario, and Quebec is the one east of me. And uh, they they didn't... Music Plus and much music, it's, you know, how it is here in Canada. You know, the French people are very proud of their French, and we the rest of us all want English, so they kind of even have it that way. They have to have their own French version of much music. So they they kind of broadcast separately from much music. So, But I know on the much music news section... They did actually show it. They didn't. I didn't get to see the whole thing, but they did do show little clips of it on the news section. So I do remember seeing it, but I I didn't see the whole broadcast. That's one of the. Wasn't news. that just Gina, just Gina and Paul, in the uh, studio I, on that one? No, yeah, it was no, everybody. Whole ba- the whole band. Oh, it was, it was everybody. Okay. Yeah, Ken, you've got some homework now. So how about you going back, going back to MTV Unplugged, <laughs> uh, the broadcast? Uh, what do you recall from the time? I, I think you went to the San Francisco. Uh, convention so uh, i went to the convention uh, in san francisco so i had a a taste uh of, of what it was like i guess that what it would have been like uh in the you know at the new york taping um uh though you know they played sometimes they didn't play through full songs uh they went through many songs in, at the convention uh some were just little snippets here and there or what they could remember at the time um so I think I probably heard about the unplugged MTB unplugged show 
I'm going to say it was probably on the internet. Uh, probably heard it, you know, saw it there on this otaku or one of those um, or Asylum. So one of those. There are only two, really. One of those. Was <laughs> one of those. Salem two. Yeah. One of those. Kiss, two. Kiss yeah, those, those, and, uh, those were... What was the other one? Roth's Rendezvous. And I think there was R and uh, whatever. I, I can't remember. Uh, yeah, it's so freaks. long ago. I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's only a couple out there. So uh, <laughs> I, I usually checked it every day uh, just to see if there's any news, and I probably saw it there. So. Yeah, so when Halloween came around that night, uh, I had my VHS tape ready and, you know, hit the record just before it was going to start. And, and of course, it was around the time of you know, handing out candy, so I can't, can't <laughs> have to get up. Yeah, I, I have something, don't, <laughs> please don't come trick-or-treating. So, But I had to get up and get The old man with his lights breath. off. <laughs> yeah, just put the ball out there. Right. right people do so um i remember watching it and i thought this is i was excited about it i did not know i don't recall knowing or a rumor about uh ace and peter maybe you know coming on there and playing i don't remember anything about that uh if that happened uh but i, I was pretty excited to see them uh did i know or think that this was going to turn into a reunion i really didn't think it it was because based on what Gene and Paul were saying, you know, prior prior to this, all the bad things they were saying about uh, Ace and Peter. So it didn't seem like it was going to happen, but, you know, yeah, they surprised that, us. Right? Yeah, you know, that revenge tour was just so successful that they really just wanted to keep going down that path, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess they were running out of money, so they saw the dollar signs and, uh, you know, decided to do it. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Uh, it, it was great. Uh course anything new kids and they're playing music uh it, it just it was a great production i was i was happy about the the stage design and, and everything about it you know the backdrop the the floor with the rock and roll over i thought oh man that's just so cool um and then the mannequins up high behind uh, i said oh yeah i saw that and <laughs> at the convention so it was it was good i i really enjoyed that and they were really well rehearsed by that time. Obviously, this this is what the final, pretty much the final, uh, you know, full performance of the yeah. of the of the band, the what ninety two ninety five lineup. Um, so they they had done all the songs throughout the convention tour. They had found what works, and in they go, and boom, they pretty much nailed. It. I think the, I didn't get to hear it until the bootlegs came out and he started to get some bits and pieces and you know it's so long ago now 21 years and 20 years since the um album came out what was march of 96 i think that you know it's all a bit fuzzy i know that on the kiss armly online board on aol that's where i got all my news back then um so i knew what had happened I knew what had been performed, and I, I just thought it was in, incredibly exciting because at that time, obviously, you've got the convention tour occurring, and I'm collecting bootlegs from the tour because that's the only way in Scotland that there was to really get anywhere near it. So it, I was excited about it. Um, I don't remember when I found out that Peter and Ace had been there. Um, I just remember vaguely, I guess, again... Um, not being that overly excited that they had been there. It was more like, uh-oh, what's coming next? 
you know, it, it just seemed to, it, it rolls together so quickly when you go from August of 95 into the reunion rumors, into everything else kind of snowballing. So, you know, it was a very exciting time to be on the internet. And it's something that we've completely lost nowadays, even having official websites and, you know, message boards and Facebook, the the immediacy, the, it wasn't all there still, you know, and the you still had to do some work to find stuff out and you often had to wait for metal edge to see some pictures. So that's all yeah. I, re that's all I really recall. And I've never seen the MTV broadcast to this day. So really? Yeah. I've only got the video, you know, simple as that, that, that videotape, um, I eventually had the DVD and when it became worth like 99 bucks, I put it up on eBay and said, fine, you can have it. Um, I've got the album. I don't watch DVDs that often. I listen to the music, so when Kissology 3 came out, then I got really excited because obviously you've got the extended cut on there, um, which is vastly superior to the original DVD. And, okay, let's get into, um, where do we want to go next on this one? Yeah, let's talk about rankings, really. I mean, I said right at the top of the show that this is one of my all-time favorite Kiss albums. It is just an incredible performance. Where does this kind of rate for you guys individually when you stack it up against the rest of the catalog? And Lonnie's looking like he's thinking really, really hard. I'm gonna go straight to him. <laughs> I'm like the I'm like the I'm like the teacher from hell. You look at the kid exactly. in the class who's looking really well, the, uncomfortable. Well, the one that's looking away. away. <laughs> the one who's about to have a panic attack. Don't pick me. Don't pick me. Anything but Slytherin. Uh. <laughs> Slytherin. I, I think that I would put, I mean, including, you know, we, we, we often talk about ranking albums, you know, and we talk about ranking studio records. But if we're going to include live records, and usually when we do that, we don't include the live records. You know what I mean? If I'm going to rank albums. But if I'm going to include live albums in my rankings of my favorite Kiss albums, I'd, it'd be hard for me not to put this in my top five. Mm -hmm. Because it, it's that good, in my opinion. And the band sounds... I mean, even even without you know the final four tracks on there with Ace and Peter, um, the band just sounds incredible and brings new life to a lot of songs that that were pretty listless on on the studio recordings, including, you know, like like coming home just sticks out immediately in my mind. And it's not on it's not on the CD release. You have to get it on either a uh, either a bootleg or something. But the the got the version of Got to Choose that they played that night is, in my opinion, maybe my favorite version of Got to Choose. It's on my album. Look at you. It's on the vinyl too. Yeah, it's on the vinyl. On the vinyl on the Japanese CD. And... I got this one here. Yeah, I brought vinyl. this one with me. I don't know if you guys can see that. I don't know if you guys have this one or not. It kind of opens up. What is that? Is that... Ooh, I got something Julie didn't have. Where's that from? <laughs> I don't know. It's, uh, it's like a it, has a it has a bonus disc on it. It has the DVD MTV unplugged on it. The DVD on it as well. Is that a, Wait, is that a bootleg? Is. I think it's a bootleg. Oh, okay. Fine. It's pretty cool, it though. Might be the, uh, yeah. yeah, it's very cool. You know. The retakes and all that stuff. doesn't make it any less cool, but this is the, it doesn't have the got to choose on there either. I was cool. looking to see if it did. But um, I I really like the version I got to choose, and I, and, and coming home, I, I just think the album just 
just really stands up when when you look at the songs on there and how like even the the version of every time I look at you I think is fantastic on there too as opposed to as much as I sing revenge's praises on this show I think the version of every time I look at you is fantastic on on this record also so I it, I'd be hard pressed not to rank it in my top five favorite Kiss albums yeah very yeah. difficult and Mark I want to go to you next because Sonics I find this to be one of the best sounding kiss album so i want to get your take on that as well you know from your perspective because you're you're like the, the fountain of knowledge when it comes to the musicality side of things what's your take on this on the uh on whatever the freaking question was <laughs> well uh, basically just, just to just to answer first my ranking of it um if we're including everything just like lonnie said then i i would put it high i wouldn't put it top five for me but i would definitely put it in my top 10 um, I think it would probably sit around eight or so at, out of my top ten. Um, I think that's pretty respectable, all things considered. And like I said before, it's a, it's a great record. Now, talking about the sonics of it, I was very happy with it. I mean, whether it's on vinyl or on CD or on DVD, you know, on 5.1 or whatever, um, it's it's really well done, and I mean, I think one of the main reasons why it turned out so well was because, again, they had the benefit of doing this on a nightly basis for a while and figured out what worked and what didn't as far as different miking techniques and different ways to set up the stage and where because because acoustic guitars are notoriously bad for feeding back on stage. Now, whether and I don't remember offhand, I'm I'm thinking that they did. The acoustic guitars, you can buy these little round foam pieces that you can put into the holes mm-hmm. that, that are behind the string that prevent feedback from the monitors on stage. Now, nowadays, most people use in-ear, in-ears, so you wouldn't have as big a problem with that nowadays. But back then, I'm still sure they were using ground monitors, and so that would be used to prevent that sort of a feedback happening. And also, I don't know if you guys were aware of this or not, but MTV had a standing rule that to play on the MTV Unplugged, you had to play with full acoustic. You couldn't use a plug-in acoustic guitar. You had to have an acoustic guitar that was mic'd from the front. There was none of this plugging in bit that they were doing in the conventions. Because I remember when you look at some of the convention footage, they had these small little Laney amplifiers on stage. And I know Bruce for sure, and even Paul, I think, too, plugged in theirs and mic'd it. So they had a really, really huge acoustic guitar sound on the conventions, and MTV went, wasn't having that for their performances on there. I know every band had to do that. They had to just come in, sit on a stool, and put mics in front, and that was your sound. They wanted a true, authentic acoustic sound for it, which also helped the drum sound because you didn't have anything else coming in and you know getting into the sound and the air surrounding the drum so they could get a really nice drum sound and i think honestly eric singer's drum set sound on this is phenomenal it just sounds perfect like every little cymbal hit every little hi-hat thing he's done you can hear it perfectly because he didn't have all kinds of other instruments just blaring around him and getting leakage into his drum mics it was completely you know just isolated from everything else and because of that because of the way they set it up on stage Everybody was sort of isolated nicely. The vocals, the guitars, the, the, I mean, the acoustic bass is notoriously difficult to get a decent sound from because it's such a low frequency. And to get the miking nice in there to get that sound, they did a great job. And I mean, that's why Gene probably went through about a half dozen ac- acoustic basses and settled on that Kramer 
acoustic bass of all basses, you know, who would have thought, right? But it had the best sound on stage, and that's why he stuck with it. And I think that they did a great job with that, and I think that it should be highly commended for being one of the best audio-sounding recordings they've done. And if I recall, Bruce was playing uh, Ovation, I think. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, you know, n- nice instruments. I love Gene's bass on that, by the way. That was that was one of the things, and I gotta say that Eric, his drumming, uh, his mic setup on that was just phenomenal. It was you know just crystal, and and the whole the whole thing with it is that the mix is just perfect. It's just so well balanced. Um, Ken, let's go to you on the question, and I still can't remember what the question. Question was. is yeah, that, oh, how yeah, you rank? Yeah, rank, where, ranking. ranking. Where, do, where do you rate it in your yeah, role? Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I, I rank I rank this if I'm including everything. Uh, I, I it, it's really hard, but uh, I have to put it somewhere in the area of ten. You know, top ten, probably somewhere near ten, nine or ten. Uh, I'd put it there um, um, because I, I can't get over all the you know the classic stuff. It's it's hard for me to put this ahead of some of the real classics so uh but 10 is still pretty high it's you know it's it's above crazy nights and Hot in the shade and, and and a number of others for me um uh, it's probably it's ahead of animal eyes and, it's a hot so take yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i know that's hard to believe but you know uh so yeah it's it's a great album and like you said uh, the sound of it is just just fantastic i mean it was so well done um and i wish they would do do that on some of their other stuff like you know monster was sounded that good or something like that it would have been great yeah okay well <laughs> that's another show <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that that is a whole other show um let's go let's go a little bit track by track here and just keep in mind and and let's try and pick three favorites three of your all-time favorite songs out of this um i'll go first and again i don't do any notes or anything for the show so this is all you know straight off the cuff for me coming home you mean like me (laughs) yeah i I just we we had a two-hour show prep meeting without you julian that we all discussed what we were going to talk about today I mean, couldn't you have freaking hosted that? And I could just... <laughs> <laughs> All right, so getting back on target. Um, coming Home. Obviously, first song on the album, on the performance. Unbelievable what they do to that. I mean, getting to hear something crystal clear. I was always thrilled going through all the bootlegs of with the convention era with that song. It was just one of those really quirky ones that I would never have guessed that they would do. Um, it, if I was going to pick the acoustic set for Kiss in 1995, if they'd said, Julian, we're going out on an acoustic tour, please come up with 27 songs for us to do, it wouldn't have been on my list. Simple as that. I, I probably would have been pedestrian. I mean, it would have been Rock and Roll All Night and Detroit Rock City. Okay. Um, next one, and every time I look at you, is just the definitive... You know, it, this is all about Paul for me on this album because his vocal performances are just incredible, absolutely unbelievable, and he really took that song to a new place for me. 
and as and that's as good as it is on Revenge as well with Ezrin's production. Um, just fantastic. And number three, I still love you. Uh, same reason, you know, it, it's powerhouse vocals. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm really it's I still love you on there. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I was having a brain fart there for a second, like holy fuck, it's not on there. <laughs> but yeah, single take as well, which I know he said on the rehearsal version. Um, you know, I, I, I want to do every time I look at you again. Why? Because I like the song or something to that effect. So, you know, he obviously likes that stuff. And back then, when he could hit it out of the ballpark, he certainly did. Ken, how about you? For me, um, Going Blind was probably my favorite uh, one on that on this uh, uh, release. Because uh, I, I, you know, I kind of liked it anyway uh, before when it was on uh, Hotter in Hell, but it's so much better in this form. I mean, it just brings new life to it, and it just it was meant to be played acoustically. I believe this song, and not electric like it was on Hotter Than Hell. Um, so that one, I just love it acoustic. I think it's fantastic. I could just I can hear that thing over and over. I will I will not get sick of it. Um, another one um, is uh, See You Tonight um, from, you know, the Gene Simmons solo. I, I, you know, that was always my favorite song off of his solo album. Uh, and it, you know, it translated, you know, perfectly. Uh, I mean, it pretty much sounded like his solo album. Uh, it was very close to the, the version. Uh, and the sound, so it was it was really good, and I like that Beatlesque type, you know, song itself. And um, the other one, like you, Julian, um, every time I look at you, man, uh, on Revenge, it was you know it was pretty good. It's probably it's probably my least favorite song on Revenge, uh, but once I heard it on it done on uh, Unplugged, it's like holy god, this is really. It's, really good in, in the them bringing the orchestra in uh, to help them out uh, you know the the, uh, the strings and so on uh, was just fantastic um, so those are the th- my top three on unplugged it was an unholy performance there you go <laughs> Lonnie yeah. um, I would have to I mean it's not going to be a much different than what you guys are saying and really um coming home i mentioned it earlier i think is fantastic it's obviously my go-to version of that song i mean i rarely if i want to listen if i want to listen to that song i rarely turn on the hotter than hell version of that song I mean, it's it is my go-to version of that song um and i'm going to say sure knows something also i think really sounds really crisp and clear um the way they did that um they really and, and again, like I mentioned earlier, just breathes new life in, into these songs. Not that Sherno sure something sounds bad on Dynasty, but the way they they played it that night just sounds. I mean, the sound on that whole album is fantastic. So that one, and then my third one, I'm gonna agree with you again on on every time I look at you. I mean, that is. I mean, it, it's good on Revenge, and it's and it's even better on here, and it it's breathe, again breathes new life into it, for lack of better terms. I keep repeating myself. <laughs> Sorry. Was that three? That's three. That's okay. three. Mark. Every time I look at you coming home and showing us something. Oh yeah. 
Okay, so for me, I, I thought about this for a while, and you know, the songs that kind of stand out for me, two of them stand out for one reason, and one of them stand out for a different reason. Um, the one is the same as Ken, which to me is See You Tonight, which I thought was, to me, sort of a surprise song. I didn't really expect him to dip into any solo record material for this. I really thought they would just keep it with the strict Kiss you know, albums that they did together. So to hear that, it was kind of a surprise. I mean, it's just a perfect song to use for MTV Unplugged, if you think about it. I mean, it was meant to be an acoustic song, right? So what a better song to pick than that. Now, the other two songs that kind of really jumped out at me that I really enjoyed were ones that I kind of were surprised that translated as well to acoustic because I've always thought of them as such great, you know, electric rocking songs. And one of them is Do You Love Me? I mean, that to me has always been one of those songs I thought that were really, you know, well done from Ezrin production-wise. I'm not huge on Di- Destroyer, as we all know. But, I mean, that's one of the songs that he did a great production job on. But I really love the way... They, they adapted the guitars in this because, I mean, the the harmony lines at the end that they would do normally in electric, I love the way they just turned into kind of these arpeggiated, picked-out pieces at the end. It just turned out really nice, and I thought, wow, what a great way to do that whole ending section on acoustic. It just sounded so nice, and it just showed that they actually put some time and effort into rearranging these songs. And the other song that I think worked out really well for just similar reasons is Got to Choose. I mean, that's one of those songs that I always think of as electric, but when they played it on acoustic, it just seems like you could bust that out around a campfire with all your friends and play that song. I mean, it's pretty simple to play as it is, but it's such a great song, and it's all about the singing. I mean, when they pull out those three-part harmonies in there, that's, you know, if you nailed them, it sounds awesome, you know? So, And that just goes to show how good a band they were for uh, as far as vocally, they were re- really great. And I mean, playing unplugged, I'm sure most musicians will tell you that is very unforgiving. You can't hide behind screaming, you know, like you can't behind screaming guitars on an acoustic stage like that, right? I mean, you got to know your singing and know it well. In retrospect, the one song that I kind of wish that they would have played, and especially since they had an orchestra there, and I thought this was a missed opportunity, was I thought they should have played Great Expectations, because they had an orchestra there, that that would have been a great time to do that on MTV Unplugged. I thought that would have gone over really well, but I'm really happy with what they played in any way. So. I think the three of you kind of raised a really interesting kind of point, and you've all picked a lot of Hotter Than Hell stuff. Going Blind, <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, the three... Hotter than hell songs that are that are on True. here, um, and it's really indicative of just how goddamn good those songs actually are, mm-hmm. and perhaps are they're overlooked because of the sludgy production of the album. Here we are singing the praises of songs that have translated back well into the acoustic format that probably started off life acoustically, and with with proper production with proper you know care and consideration given to that material it's like oh my goodness how good these songs really really are i mean the going blind i mean fantastic again a phenomenal yeah. performance arrangement um go, got to choose you, you know it, it's just really really cool you, you peel back the layers and get to really appreciate those songs so it, it's nice to you know, hear hear all that when I kind of went pedestrian with my choices. Okay. <laughs> right. We did our homework. Okay. Well, I, 
I obviously <laughs> didn't, so fine. Screw you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's your definitive version that you either watch or listen are you a listener or are you a watcher are you one who likes to go back to the original MTV recording get the original DVD or Kissology for me it's all about Kissology these days and if I'm at the office I've got the full uncut um, uh, audio boot on my computer so that I can listen to that Lonnie what's your what's your go to yeah if I'm gonna wa- if I'm gonna sit down and watch it it's it's the Kissology version for sure. I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. And you know, you watch it. You can watch you know obviously the two different ways, but the commentary with Gene Paul and Bruce on it also makes it even better. So um, that's definitely my go-to version of it. I and I held up this little guy earlier. It has actually has the the MTV version, you know, on there. It's like the MTV version even has that. You know the little interviews that they had on that on there before also was on there. So, but I mean, I think I've watched that the one time since I got it because I think that the Kissology version is so superior that if I'm gonna if I'm gonna sit down and actually watch that performance, it's there's no doubt which version I'm gonna pull out. Yeah, come on, Kissology and just disc one. Come on, you've got the Palace '92 show followed by <laughs> MTV Unplugged. I mean, doesn't get much better than that. No, I mean, that's just fantastic. That's a you know a couple hours of good viewing. Ken, how about you? What's your go-to? Yes, yeah, the go-to for me would be the uh, the video. Uh, I'll be at Kissology, yeah. Um, I think I, I, don't know, I pulled it out not that long ago and, and watched it on there. Um, so that's the one to go. I mean, if I'm in my car, sure, I'm going to. You can't watch me in a car. I don't want to get into an accident. You could. <laughs> you could. Some people probably do. Tesla auto drive. Oh, let's watch it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's let the car drive while I watch this DVD. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it's, I mean, that's so good. And, you know, it's just the, the whole thing, the whole production, the sound, the, the music, the, and, and again, the stage and the backdrop is just, it's so nice to watch. And, and you could tell they're really, really enjoying themselves. Uh, on stage too and uh, so that's the one for me Mark how about you what's your go-to version well I'm going to have to echo the same as you guys I mean a lot of the time I find that when I'm in my little office and uh, I have a little laptop where I do a lot of my corresponding with various different things whether it's online magazines or whatever it is for my band stuff or whatever um, I usually have something running in the background whether it's you know, Kissology on DVD or, you know, maybe a, you know, Rush concert or something. Just something is going on and usually Kissology is my go-to just because, mainly because of the fact that they're so long, these discs, and I don't have to keep getting up and, you know, doing stuff and I can focus on one thing as well as watching the show because I can, you know, being a Gemini, I can multitask. So, you know, um, I, I really I really enjoy my... Uh, you know, my 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 DVDs for that because I I think it some people some people can do that where they can have something running in the background and work at the same time and I know there's lots of people who just don't like doing that too where they like just like having peace and quiet and working on stuff that way but I I usually find music is beneficial to my work environment and you know MTV unplugged is probably even more so beneficial because it's while it's still rocking stuff it's acoustic and it's a bit more pleasant to the ear in some circumstances so i really like watching that that's really good 
Um, I think the Kissology version, I mean, obviously it's got, what, five songs that didn't either make the album, didn't make the original video. Hard Luck Woman, Heavens on Fire, Spit, Come On and Love Me, and God, um, well, The God of Thunder, which I don't really want to... Country. <laughs> no. Country version. The Abomination. It doesn't count. It doesn't yeah, count. I, I, I just loaded the album into Winamp, and it tells me, even with Got to Choose, that the album's only an hour long. So... I want to I want to ask you guys if you had to pick two Kiss songs from the catalog, anything up to obviously '96. What do you think are the most glaring omissions from MCB Unplugged as an album? Um, and also for the video, for that matter, because I mean I would have kept Hard Luck Woman on from the get-go. Um, I know that might have been a little bit problematic with Peter coming on later and all that sort of crap, but. You know, again, as a Paul Powerhouse <clears throat> vocal performance, I would have kept that. I would have kept "Come on and Love Me" just because it's a personal favorite. Um, and and you don't have to pick from the songs that were you know performed that night. You can go anywhere you want in the catalog, even to, well, we won't go there. Ken. <laughs> okay. You said up to '96, so um, yeah. You know, I would have liked to have heard. Uh, Black Diamond uh, acoustic. I, I don't know. I think it. I think it could have been pulled off. I think it. You know. Of course, it starts that way, but uh, I think it would have worked even for the riffing uh, part of it. Um, so Black Diamond, I would have liked to have heard that way. And then another one um, would have been. Uh, I thought uh, maybe uh, Magic Touch would have been a interesting. Uh, pull from Dynasty. Uh, I mean, there's a, there's a lot that. I, I mean, I could have said, you know, maybe Reason to Live. That was another possibility, or something like that. But um, yeah, those couple of songs are. <clears throat> would have been good. Lonnie, now apart from Unholy, what song would you like to have out there? <laughs> I would I mean, listen to Paul Stanley's vocals on this album, and Paul is really at maybe his very best at this point and you know i don't i don't know if there's a better paul stanley vocal performance and considering the amount of success they had um a few years prior to this with forever i was really surprised that they didn't attempt to put that on there um so i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with that and um and i'm gonna go with come on and love me also just because it's a personal favorite and i you know i have a, a boot of that audio and i <clears throat> really enjoy it so i was just I'm, you know it's kind of disappointing that it didn't make the the final cut also so those two for me but I, I think forever would have been would have been an interesting choice and i understand maybe that we don't want to have i still love you every time i look at you and forever have all those ballads mixed in there but it was a hit for him it was one of their bigger hits period so i was i mean it's kind of just it's kind of surprising to me that that it's an omission yeah, I mean, if you consider this is 1996, that's not too far removed from, what, 1991, where they had a hit with God Gave Rock and Roll to You, too, in, uh, <clears throat> in England, and Forever in the States, and that both of those are kind of omitted from this whole picture is, you know, somewhat odd. I mean, obviously, my choice of Hard Luck Woman, Yours of Forever, would perhaps overload it in terms of the uh, Paul vocal powerhouse songs uh, i also want to say that you know you said that paul is at his peak here i i think that gene is singing really 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 well 
on this album and his material. And I, I can't remember which one of you chaps it was who said, you know, see you tonight. Just the performance on there and Gene, unbelievable again. So, Mark, let's get to you and, and your picks. What kind of songs do you think should be on an MTV Unplugged? Well, I made a whole actual MTV Unplugged Part 2 set list, so I'm going to pull two of them off of there. I did, I did a whole reworking of a record with nothing that was played from the first one. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll get to that one a little bit later. Okay, but the one, the two of them that, I, that for sure to me are an omission, and this one would have been the one that I would have opened with if it was up to me. Uh, don't get me wrong, Coming Home was great. This is if there was to be an alternate version of this. Um, I would open with Rise to It. To me, that is a great mm-hmm. song that could have been pulled over onto acoustic. I mean, it starts off with that kind of great acoustic slide. I'm sure Bruce or somebody could have came out there with the slide and started it off, and they could have just went right into it like perfect it's almost like a cinderella kind of song you know when they can just come out there and play it i think that would have went over just as strongly in my opinion as coming home did because it, it's it would that sounds like that was a song that was meant to be played on acoustic and the other song which i think might be a surprise to some of you guys but i think that it would have been kind of cool if they would have played this because it would have they would have pulled something off a record that really wasn't represented is doing larger than life i thought that's a great song to do on acoustic guitar and it would have been a good gene song to do i think that that song has acoustic straight through the whole song if you listen to it and if you just pulled out the electric guitars you have a whole acoustic version of the song right there and i think that that would have went over really good and like you were saying gene is probably at his vocal peak at this point too so that i would have sounded awesome i think very very good picks there wait one second So that was Daniel from Sweden. He's he's. I was gonna say sorry to about that. His his one song would have been uh, "Fits Like a Glove." He would have liked that. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, and what that would have gone down as well as spit. Oh, uh, you know what? Uh, that spit version. Uh, I I enjoy it. I enjoyed it. Uh, I think it sounded had a good groove on it uh, acoustically. Believe it or not, I thought it was uh, pretty good. Yeah, so now let's get into the the song. What songs do not work on this for you? You know, are there any? I'm, obviously, I've just gone with Spit, mm-hmm. but um, and God of Thunder. I just thought it was stupider than hell to be doing that with it. I, I, I never got it. I, obviously, not the right demographic. Um, what are the failures, mm-hmm. if any? And you, and if if you don't have any, you don't have to try and come up with one, Lonnie. You know, I I don't think there is a failure on on this album. I think they were very very well rehearsed by the time they got to New York from playing the conventions across the U.S. all summer, and from you know what they started in Australia prior to that. I think they found out what worked and what didn't work, and went with those tracks um, when it came time to record. And yeah, you can. The God of Thunder is cheesy and it and it's and it's stupid, you know. And that's kind of like at the point in the show where they were kind of farting around, waiting for him to change the set, to getting ready to bring out Ace and Peter. And it was, you know, it was never really meant to. It was never meant or intended to be part of the recording. So I mean, I kind of, I really just kind of throw that away when I when I think about, you know, what they did that night. You know, I think but the songs that they also were playing at that time when they were changing the set with come on and love me and hard luck woman, 
you know, those worked really well. Um, you know, maybe you could maybe you could say maybe if you're going to say the, the failures, if there's any failures, I would say, you know, it would be it would be spit and God of Thunder if you want to include those in there. And those are, you know, just the songs that they were screwing around with when they were changing the set list. I mean, I think the songs that they included on the album proper um, are perfect. I don't think there's any any failures, in my opinion. Absolutely. Ken, what say you? Yeah, no real failures. Um, I may have, you know, replaced a couple of songs, but uh, it was all good. I mean, I, I don't skip anything when I'm listening to it, so it's no failures at all. Mark? Well, um, I'm going to go pretty much the same way, but I'm going to mention one thing that I found interesting about that was the songs that they did and they performed that were part of their rehearsed set were, were fantastic. There's, there's nothing bad in there at all. But it did also show me something very glaring to me is that when Kiss are unrehearsed and have to pull out something out of the hat, they're not really that kind of band that can just jam on the spot and pull out a song. I mean, it's evident with, you know, Heaven's on Fire and all these other songs that they did. They, they, are, they are obviously weak in performance compared to the ones that they've sat down and worked on for a long period of time. I mean, you compare coming home to like even, you know, come on and love me, the vision that they did there, it's not anywhere near as good in strength and rehearsed as well, obviously. Right. But that's not, that's not a slag to them. I'm just saying that you can tell the material they really worked on, you know, because when they really devoted themselves and dedicated to making them as good as they could be, they sounded phenomenal. And, you know, that's why I never thought that it was a good idea for them to kind of say any requests, you know, because that just doesn't seem to go over good with them because they seem to train wreck sometimes on those. So, yeah, good point. What about, you know, when you look at the stuff that they do when Peter and Ace come out, 2000 men, obviously we've heard the story that, you know, Ace's first choice would have been shock me, but that's impossible to adequately do on a acoustic. Well, whatever. Um, Beth is kind of a is a obvious. You've got the orchestra there, just like you mentioned with Great Expectations. Peter getting to do Beth with a orchestra is just you know fantastic, and nothing to lose. Which to me that's a kind of off the wall pick, really, but one that's a little bit too obvious that it gives all of them the opportunity to sing. So would you change any of those? Um, <laughs> And, and give Ace a different song other than 2000 Man and have the four of them doing something other than Nothing to Lose or are those perfectly adequate? Is that as good as you're going to get? Because I, I think with Peter, you've got the challenge. Obviously, Beth is very obvious. And obviously, they'd also done Hard Luck Woman earlier in the set. But should they have done Hard Luck Woman with Peter as well and Ace? And, and maybe something instead of nothing to lose a little bit, something a little less anal. Um, Ken. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I, I, I think they should have done uh, hard luck woman with Peter. I would have rather have heard that. Um, than uh, Beth, in my opinion, um, the other one, uh, nothing to lose that one. I would have rather have heard maybe she on that, you know, mm-hmm. instead. Um, I would have liked to have heard that one uh, done. And uh, as for an Ace song, I've never been. 2000 Man hasn't always, you know, it's not one of my favorites. Uh, I would have rather have 
him d- done maybe uh, either uh, what is it uh, New York Groove or or um, the other one Two Sides of the Coin I would have rather have heard those two uh, over 2000 yeah. right so. Or, or save your love. I was trying to work. I was trying to work that out on the acoustic. Yes, I, I mean, gave, I gave up. That was just my fingers were bleeding trying to get something to work with that. So, Lonnie, I think you know, I think talk to me might might have been an interesting choice too for them to try, um, for Ace to sing. It's, you know, we, it might be a little, you know, it might be a little disappointing. As much as as good as Two Thousand Man sounds. You know that, that it is a cover song that you know you bring Ace Frehley out for the first time in how many years, and I didn't know it was on a Kiss album, but it, it's still a cover song at the end of the day. You know, it's a little disappointing that you know he didn't get to sing one of his written written tunes. So I think you know a talk to me or like like Ken said, a two sides the coin or or something like that might have been um, a better choice. Not that Two Thousand Man sounds bad; it, it sounds really good, and, and it sounds I think it sounds better there than it does on. On Dynasty, but you know, it, it, it might have been nice to have Ace Frehley do an Ace Frehley song, and uh, and not a cover song. So, but I think I think Beth is an obvious choice. I think you know you had to, you had to do Beth as much as I you know people maybe burnt out on the song, but they hadn't played Beth live since the Dynasty tour at that point. And to bring Peter Chris out and not do Beth, I think people would have been up in arms at why didn't she do it at that particular moment. So absolutely, you know, it's and, very understandable from that point of view. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and, and, and I don't have a problem with with nothing to lose. I think, like you said, it gives everybody a chance to be heard a little bit on there, and I think it was a good song for them to play as as a as a six man kiss, if you will. Mark. Well. I, I I kind of agree that they maybe should have did a different song for Ace. I mean, I, I'm all for Talk To Me for him to do that. Because honestly, I think that an open G tuning kind of song sounds really good on acoustic, always has, and would have translated really well on a stage like that. I think that that's, that song can be played really well on acoustic guitar and will sound good. The fact that the strings are a bit lower in tuning an acoustic guitar always sounds better tuned lower than it does higher. They always said that the optimal tuning for an acoustic guitar is not open, is not E. It's tuned in D, a whole step lower, is what you should really have an acoustic guitar tuned to. So that's actually works in perfectly for a song like "Talk to Me." Um, the, I liked "Nothing to Lose," if anything, because I thought it gave the world uh, the benefit of seeing how great a singer Eric Singer was. I think that to me was the biggest surprise of that song is how good Eric Singer was as, as a lead singer. I thought, wow, this is great. He was the best guy in that song, in my opinion. So I, I had no problem with that. But I would have chose a different song. And for my everybody on stage song, and just for a little side note here, I would have included Vinny as my come on to stage as well for this because I have him included in my revive MTV there, but all of them, including v- Vinny, Ace, and Peter, on stage all together. I wanted them to all, all seven of them, then do "Let Me Go Rock and Roll." I thought that would have been a really good song to do acoustically, and all, all seven, six or seven of them on stage to do that song. That, that's that's interesting. interesting. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna throw out 2000 Man. And what was the song that Ace wrote that he was actually singing by this time? Cold Gin. I think it would. Yeah, Cold Gin. It would have been. Yeah, a perfect, that would have been good. Perfect. And I was sitting there going, "Don't say it. Don't say it, Lonnie. Ken, don't say it, Mark. Oh, no one said it. Good. Yeah. Don't say it. Yeah. You know. You know. Any of the songs that Ace or Peter, you know, you know, particularly Ace, ha- hadn't sung or didn't sing much, you know, it, it was a great opportunity. I don't know how well Cold Gin would actually go down acoustically, though. It's kind of one I'm a little bit on the fence about. I can't quite hear it in my head. Um, you know, it's not one I've ever gotten my acoustic out and given a, you know, I'm going to try and play a Cold Gin on the acoustic today. It's you never, could. It's never been one of those ones I've thought about messing around with. Um but I think it would have been a, a much better song to have Ace do because it was one that he did all the time. It was one that he never did with Kiss, and it just would have been a little bit too obvious for me. Other than Two Thousand Men, which would not have been my pick. Um, <laughs> and and then there's not that much else that I I think he could really perform. You know, you're not going to get him doing what um, Parasite. No. Torpedo no. Girl. Torpedo Dark Light. No. <laughs> Dark Light Does, doesn't work. So that, that's the only one. Um, nothing to lose, and I was so glad, Mark, you mentioned Eric Singer, and how, yeah. you know, we got to 55 minutes in this show, and no one had said how good Eric Singer sounds, and it really was a revelation, his vocals. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Black Diamond, that comes into the picture as well, you know, as a, as a possible song, because he mm-hmm. sang plenty of that, didn't he? So, yep. Mm-hmm. Let's go into that that question. You know, we're kissed to do a unplugged two, and straight out of the bat, don't even say or think that Paul Stanley doesn't sing to this level anymore. You know, this is everyone out there. You know, this is not this is fantasy. You know, if MTV yeah. unplugged two had come along, you know, in Fantasyland, what are the songs that you would love to have the band try? And Mark, let's go straight to you on that because you're also okay. so, so punctual with your homework. Okay, so I'll go I'll go straight through them, and I kind of arrange them to make it kind of make sense to kind of go between Gene and Paul, and also to kind of bring in some songs that maybe people might not have expected to hear at that time. So I would have opened with Rise to It. I would have went into Strutter then after that. Then I would have gone into Ladies' Room for Gene to start. Then Larger Than Life. For another one to have Gene. And here I wanted to put an oddball song after Larger Than Life. Something a bit newer at that time. So I put in We Are One. I put that in as one song that they could probably do easily acoustically. And Gene could sing as well. Now I wanted to put in now, since they had a solo song in from the acoustic uh, side on the last one that they did. The first one there. I wouldn't, wouldn't you like to know me on acoustic. That they do Paul's song there. I thought that that would go over really well. And another one, since they were doing an odd song there, I would put an odd Gene song in, so I put Only You from The Elder to put on acoustic there. I thought that that would go over well with those two there. Then after that, I had I Want You to be after that. I thought that would go really good on acoustic. And then I went back to Gene's solo record after that. I put in Mr. Make-Believe. I thought that would be a good song on acoustic to do. I thought that he would be able to play that and sing it fairly well. Now, here's a song that might not be very popular amongst the 
kiss people the next two actually but i thought that this might be a good one to put in uh tomorrow and tonight to do acoustic i thought that could be kind of a interesting song to do acoustically and then i would do kissing time after that to kind of go back to their earliest earliest root sort of thing now at this point they would bring out members of the family and they'd bring out Vinny first so when they bring Vinny out i would get them to do lick it up acoustically with him and then after that i would get them to bring ace out and now Vinny would stay and they would do all together talk to me then after that they would bring peter out now and they would do not what you're probably thinking i would get them to do hooked on rock and roll with him on there from his solo record now at this point they, they would bring everybody back out again and so everybody's there, all seven people, and they would do Let Me Go Rock and Roll first. And then they would close the night with everybody still on stage and do Black Diamond. Wow. And, Black Diamond, uh, yeah. Do you, have, do you have the lighting done as well with this? <laughs> <laughs> when the flash pots go off. And they, no, I don't yeah. have all the cues worked out yet for that stuff. So. No, that, that's, that's awesome. Lonnie. That's good. Um, I'd like them to see, and they've done this recently on some of these unplugged stuff that they've done, is I'd like to see them do Love Them, Leave Them. I think that that worked really well um, with the recordings I've heard of them doing that. I'd like to hear Let Me Know, just because it's one of my favorite Kiss songs, and I'd like to hear them do it. That is just so acoustic. That it's is perfect. Like, that's like nearly like the most obvious Kiss song to do acoustically, in, in a way. Yeah, I think that I think that'd be... You know, I think that I think that's a given. As much as that song is neglected, you know, um, I'd like to hear Mr. Speed. I think that would sound great acoustically. Also, um, they played it once on the cruise, and it sound, I thought it sounded really good acoustically. So I'd like to I'd like to hear a, a good version of that. Um, I put "Lick It Up" in there also, just because it's it's "Lick It Up," but it's still a no-brainer that they could they could pull that off very well. Like Mark said too, you know, I agree with Mark on that. And a Paul Stanley solo. How about tonight? You belong to me. I think that might be an interesting one to try also. So those are the kind of the ones that I've worked out, you know, and no one kissed, you know, they, they still have to throw back in some of the ones that, that they've already done because, you know, they're, they're kissed. They're not going to do everything brand new. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, I was just dreaming. I'm, I'm being, I'm not, all night Mark, sure. Mark's, Mark's list was fantastic, but I guess my list is realistic because I know who I'm dealing with at the end of the day. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't set the bar too high, so I don't be disappointed. So I'm not going to be disappointed. <laughs> Mine's like a bizarro world kiss there. All right, Ken, have you? All right, go. here's my list. Uh, but this isn't in order like Mark had you at all planned out. Uh, mine is just pretty much uh, chronological uh, right now. So here's the songs I would would have liked on uh, if they were gonna do a unplug two today, you know, or recently or in the last couple of years. Um, uh, okay, first song I chose was Black Diamond, which I mentioned earlier when we were talking about other songs. Um, then uh, Come On and Love Me is another one. Um, she, uh, I mentioned that one before also. Uh, I thought she would be a good acoustic uh i i picked shout it out loud i thought i'd like to hear that acoustic i'd like to see how that sounds i thought it'd be interesting to to hear a version of that uh in the acoustic. i'd never 
heard it acoustic. I, I, I don't know if they've ever done it acoustic as far as I know. They may have done it in one of their uh, pre-concert things, but I, I'm not sure. Um, and then uh, I Want You is another one. Um, it's kind of a given as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Christine 16 is another a Gene song. Uh, Tonight You Belong to Me, just like uh, Lonnie was talking about there. Um, New York Groove is what I mentioned before earlier, too. And uh, Magic Touch. I'd still like to hear that one acoustic. Um, I'd like to hear Dirty Living, yeah, especially if you can get Peter on there. Uh, I'd love to hear that one. Even Eric Singer, you know, I'd probably do that one pretty well. I'd like to hear that one. Um, and then from the Elder, I'd like to hear Under the Rose uh, acoustic. Uh, I think that would be very, very good and interesting. Um, I just love that song, so I thought the riffing uh, acoustically would be very interesting on that. Yeah. Uh, um, and then um, A Million to One is another one um, I'd like to hear. Uh, then uh, Hide Your Heart, I thought would work well acoustic also uh, with the sing-along kind of thing going on. Mm-hmm. Um, God Gave Rock and Roll to You is another one I thought would work. Uh, then we get to some of the newer stuff. Um, uh, Journey of a Thousand Years. I'd like to hear that acoustic. Uh, on, you know, unplugged. Um, and then, uh, and and also then the next one, uh, Freak. Ooh. I'd like to hear that one. Yeah, that's, that'd be interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that those are those are them. Uh, if if Vinny was gonna come on. Uh, stage. I'd like to hear, hear them do try to pull off a war machine uh, unplugged. See if they can pull that one <laughs> off somehow. All right, here we go with mine. I'm going to start off, and the rest of them aren't in order. I would just start off with a room service. You know, kind of, kind of mm. like how you do coming home with the first one. Do room service with that. And that's as original as I get. Then a, a lot of the signs you've already mentioned. I mean, Christine 16 was just kind of like another really obvious one. Um, let me know. I want you. I mean, I want you. The introduction, obviously, is already acoustic anyway. Um, 12 string. But, you know, make the whole thing acoustic. I think it, it could be really cool. Magic Touch. Yeah, you know, again, I go for some of the, the... In my head, I go for some of the powerhouse Paul vocals here. That's, uh, you know, just what he could have done back then. Cold Gin, I've already mentioned, um, you know, for the A song. She... I, I just, you know, I love playing. I, I, whenever I'm pottering around on guitar, you know, I end up going and into those riffs. You know, they're just so much fun. Forever, a million to one. God gave rock and roll to you too. Um, I like Mister Make Believe, and wouldn't you like to know me? Hide your heart. I, I don't think anyone's mentioned that one yet. No, I mentioned it. You know, yeah. no, uh, rise your heart. You mean? <laughs> well, that's that's the and that's a different the other version. version. And my my last one would be Strutter. It, it, it's just, yeah, Strutter. you know, it it in my head at least it would work. So I mean, yes. who knows? Like, you know, I, I I just wish they'd done it, you know, an unplugged too. You know, that ship has sailed, obviously. It, it but you can't go back. But those are just some of the songs I would have wanted to do. Um, if Vinny were to guest, yeah, you know, and, and you kind of said it specifically, Mark, didn't you? You know, yeah. I, I would have Vinny on a million to one because mm. yeah. he wouldn't be able to go anywhere Bumblebee-ish with that. 
there's just there's no <laughs> there's no scope for explosion. You know, you're not going to end yeah. out. You're not going to have him going into boys are going to rock. So, you know, for for you other two, Lonnie, Vinny, what song would you put him on? I think a million the wand is a is actually a great choice, and that's a. I think that'd be. I think it would sound good acoustically, and I think it'd be a good one to put the restraints on Vinny as well. That it wouldn't end up being a train wreck by the end. So, um, I think actually, I think I think that's the perfect choice. Actually, so we've we've totally marginalized and made him token Vinny. You're playing a million to one, <laughs> strumming prettily. Not Ken. How about you? Well, I, I already mentioned the uh, war, war machine, machine. But, war machine. but you know, but uh, actually, I was also thinking of a million to one because that was on my list. I was thinking, well, that was, that could have been a toss up for Vinny also. Sorry, war machine is just that leash is running wild. You know, you know, yeah, let, yeah. Let, go let for it. There are no restraints. No song needs it. You that have never seen it. that yeah. done with an acoustic guitar. You know, and there he is at the end, smashing it and urinating on it. See it, it. yeah. <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts on Unplugged? Um, I don't have any. Mark, any last final words? He froze. He froze. <laughs> so the, oh, there he goes. That was, oh, there he goes. That was spectacular timing. <laughs> I was going to say that the only thing I just thought about was if they were, well, I'm always hoping that maybe in the next year or two, they might put together some sort of a compilation of their acoustic performances on the cruises and maybe do sort of a unplugged DVD or something like that of those. I think that would be nice to have because I've heard they've done some pretty good performances of songs. So maybe we can't have an MTV unplugged too, but maybe we can get that. No, that, that would be very neat. And um, I'm just looking up Kiss in Las Vegas, the uh, exclusive, I believe. Does that not come with an extra disc? It does. It does. Yeah. It does. It's got it Coming Home, Plaster Caster, Harlock Woman, Christine 16. Ooh, one I don't think anyone's mentioned. Love Her All I Can. Beth and Going what? Blind. So we are getting a kind of unplugged too if you buy that deluxe edition. So that's kind of neat. Lonnie, any final thoughts? Not really. I think we, we've sung the album's praises. I think we... You know, I think that it's a it's a it's a landmark record for the band, and it's, it's one of my personal favorites. So, um, it's 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 worth celebrating the anniversary of it being released. Yep, and we can talk about it again next year too. Hey, <laughs> kiss episodes—they never get old. Again, if you don't have any final thoughts, let's wrap this up. So, you know, if yeah, uh, well, I have a final thought. You do. I do. Let's hear it. I think seven. If you don't have this, you should buy that. Uh, really, I mean, it's it's great it, for any new Kiss fans out there. Uh, definitely pick it up either on the Kissology or you know CD or if you can find the vinyl. Um, so, and I agree with Mark that they should, if they're going to do a Kissology four or possibly or whatever, that they ought to put all that the sail away acoustic stuff together from all the Mother Cruises um, on there, and uh, I think it'd be you know, pretty good. Yep. Well, 
I think they should have put out a DVD every year of the Kiss Cruise highlight show. I agree. But that just would have made too much sense. Um, so here's the question for everyone who's listening and uh, shaking their heads at some of our picks, probably, because everyone's got their own taste. If you were to put together your own 16-track Kiss Unplugged 2 album, what would be the songs that you'd want on there? And it's very simple. Everyone's got their own favorites, so go for it. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you think of the uh, questions that we've asked of the album today. I'm going to actually go and play this this evening. I'm going to put the show together tomorrow because I want to go watch the Kissology thing. So, um, From Ken, from Lonnie, from Mark, myself, thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Thank you for spending time listening to the Kiss FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.